Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. James 3, verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers. I'm reading in the New International Version. You all there, verse 1, James 3 and 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I hate that verse. (laughs) Kind of. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue, uh uh-oh. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest it is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but... No man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray. Lord, we need help tonight. So come and help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, move in power. May we never be the same. I bind the works of darkness, every distraction, every assignment of the enemy. I pray that your word would break in with truth and light. We would never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, We do have notes for you and uh, hope that you will fill those in as we move along. The notes will also be up on the screen. Thank you so much for our media department that at a moment's notice they can put together these slides, and we deeply appreciate your hard work. Does anybody remember the Smokey the Bear commercials? Only you can prevent forest fires. Anybody remember remember Smokey the Bear? And uh, I I grew up, you know, I was born in 1966. I was born in the 70s. uh, Born in this, I guess if I was born in 1966, born in the 60s, but I, I grew up in the 70s. 
And uh, those commercials were big. I mean, Smokey the Bear was, Smokey the Bear turned, I don't know, 70 years old uh, a while back. And uh, it was a profound advertisement to awaken people to take care of their forest, you know, take care of their campfires and be careful because of forest fires. And there's a whole series of ads and I was going to pull them up on, on YouTube and play them for you. And that probably would have been fun, especially from the 70s outfits and hairdos and all kinds of stuff. But uh, I just felt to remind you. Power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. We started a new series. Uh, well, we're a few, you know, a few messages in. We're on chapter 3 of the book of James. And uh, I have a, a great title for the series. It's called Studies in the Book of James. <laughs> so we, we do have notes. If you don't have those, go ahead and get your attention, get the attention of our ushers and they'll bring that to you. And so as we've been preaching along this book, it has been so profound. It's been quite a while since I've um, uh, been able to preach it to you. Actually, I think I have the wrong date on my notes. Hopefully you have the right date. Is the right date? Very good. Uh, and so, the power of the tongue put out the fire. The tongue is, is very similar to a match. And I have a book of matches. And if you think about the power of this right here. Come on, your mama ever told you don't play with matches? Just think about this little thing. It's this little piece of wood. It's a white-tipped ones. Those like self, they strike, strike anywhere matches. Wow. Let me try that out. I wonder if that'll work. Hmm. Huh. Well. Okay. That, that little match right there could kill us all. No, seriously. I mean, if, it, if the church got on fire, God forbid, never will I bind it now. Amen. And as it gets closer to my finger, the odds are I'm going to blow it up. You know why? Because I'm going to get burned otherwise. Unless you, you do this little trick. Okay. But I would have, if you did this in the new building, we'd have sprinklers going off. A match. Kids, don't try what I just did. It's only for professionals to do that. And all the mamas said, Amen. That match has great power. And James uses the illustration of fire to relate to our tongue. We don't usually think about the power of our tongue too often. But you're going to think about it after tonight. Speech. Has anyone here ever wished you didn't say something? How many of you... Wish you could just take it back, but you can't. 
Wish you could just like a recorder, suck that back in. But, but you can't. How many of you wish you did say something and you didn't? Speech. In Proverbs, Proverbs 15, you can go there if you want to. Proverbs 15, a soothing tongue is a tree of life. But a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 18 says this, the lip of fools brings them strife. And their mouths invite a beating. How many of you know someone that just when they speak, that just seems like they should have a beating? That's a, that's, that's wisdom. Someone laughing back there, I think they maybe know a few people like that. This is the Proverbs. The words of a gossip are like choice, choice morsels. They go down to the inner parts. This is verse 8 of Proverbs 18. Verse 21 of Proverbs 18 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Literally is saying that you have the power to release life with your mouth, with your speech, or you have the power to release death. I uh, was looking at different speeches in history. Has anybody been stirred by, by powerful preaching and uh, powerful speeches? Um, I remember Ronald Reagan. He was a great orator and, and a great, great... Uh, doing speeches and very inspirational at times. And I remember him sharing that speech. I remember watching it on TV. He went off the script and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It was off script and it was so powerful and like reverberated through the world. And, and that wall came down, the Berlin Wall. And we thank God for it. I think about Winston Churchill. And uh, I, I looked to get that. I was going to play that for you too, but I, I felt for the sake of time. And I, I'd encourage you to go look at it. Winston Churchill rose and was a, he was a, he was a believer. He was raised by a Christian, Christian mom. You go look at the story of Winston Churchill. There's profoundest movies out there uh, about him even recently. And he shared, I believe it was a radio address. He used to do these fireside chats or something like that. I forget what maybe. Maybe that was our president. I forget. I get confused. I have to go back and look. It was our president did the fireside sheds. But Winston Churchill gave this speech to the island there in England. He called it the island. Nazi Germany had basically taken over Europe. And we would all be speaking German right now if God didn't intervene in that wicked, evil regime destroyed all those Jews. Winston Churchill spoke and said, we will fight on the beaches. We will fight in the streets. We will, we will never, ever surrender. We will never, ever give up. And it stirred a whole nation to action as well as the allies. There is the power of speech. And the only way the devil can speak in your life is by using your mouth. The only way the devil can speak in this church is by renting your mouth. And it's sad to say that many times you, unfortunately me as well, have rented our mouths to the ugly one, Diablo. 
Let's look at the text. Very important part of our Christian life and something we don't always want to deal with. He begins to talk about the teacher and he says, verse 1, not many of you, this is James 3 and 1, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that he, he who will teach will be judged more strictly. So that's uh, quite a word. The instrument of the teacher is speech. So it's a warning to those who are life group leaders. It's a warning to those who are pastors. It's a warning to teachers. I saw a, uh, a video that on one hand I'd like to show you, but on the other hand I would never defile you or this house or your children. But it's out there, the kind of speech and what they're teaching kids and all the, the whole pronoun movement. And it's, there is just an abomination being perverted through, through teachers. And there are godly, how many of you had a great teacher? I thank God. You know, the teachers that, I don't even remember the names of the teachers that didn't really push me or challenge me. I remember all the names of the teachers that I did not care for at the time. And I look back and say, man, they got, they made me do something. I learned something from them. I think about Dave Reese. Dave Reese was my lacrosse coach. He was also my history teacher. And he was a professional hockey player before he became a lacrosse coach and a, and a history teacher. And that guy was the hardest coach I have ever had in all my life. He pushed us, he trained us. He wouldn't let us say anything, but we were gonna be, we were gonna be champions. You're champions, everybody say it, we're champions. He would make us say these, not we're losers. He would say you're winners. And then he trained us so hard. Honestly, we beat teams that were so much better than us, but you know why we beat them? Because somehow he put in our minds that we could. And even though they had 10 times the skill and ability, we were in better shape because that man would work us so hard that when it came time to the fourth quarter, we would just run them into the ground. We would just hurt them physically because we were in such great shape. It's the truth. It's the truth. Well, they wanted to quit by the time they were done. They might be able to play better ball, but we would hit harder and not stop all the way through every quarter. And we won our, we won our Tri-State Championship. It was a moment for me in school that I'll never forget. And I still, and the reason I can, one of the indications that I'll never forget is I have this stupid little trophy. It's on my windowsill in my bedroom right now. It is the cheapest piece of plastic and, it's, and, the, and the lacrosse stick is bent, and it's like so cheap. I'm thinking, man, I run all those. We used to do these things called cornfields. I mean, it, it was so hard. I look at this thing and think, man, we worked so hard for that. But actually, what it did in me, it pushed me, pushed us to speak right, pushed us to communicate. I watched these two um, uh, baseball players collide. I think it was the Toronto Blue Jays. Anybody see that? These two baseball players fully slammed into each other. I'm got. I'm promise you, they they they're gonna be looking at the at the at the reel, and those dudes could not have been talking. Because you're supposed to mine. I got it. Got ball. I got it. It's mine. It's mine. They slam right into each other unless they're both screaming full volume and they couldn't hear. There was no communication. Teachers are gonna be judged more strictly by the way that they teach and what comes out of their mouth. Come on, that's intense. We'll be judged more strictly. Wow. Not many of you should be teachers. Now, don't let that scare you. We used to have a saying when I was a kid, sticks and stones will break my... 
but names will never hurt you. Not, that's cute, but it's not true. If you're in a place of leadership, you're going to be judged. If you're a teacher, you're going to be judged. I will be judged more strictly, and so will you, Pastor Karen, and so will everyone that teaches and preaches and everyone single teacher. We will all be judged by the words of our mouth. And he goes on to say, we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. You know, we were driving, and um, I've just been... We're driving here, and I, I've just been acutely aware of my behavior more than usual. How many of you should be aware of your behavior? And I've been, I've been aware of my speech, and then I did this study and, and finished it up tonight in preparation to preach to you, and I'm like, oh, God, I need some help. I just say things sometimes. So in driving my car, I got a little thing about driving my car, Okay. I don't like anything on the dashboard unless I put it there. Okay, so I have my hat on the dashboard, but Pastor Karen, she knows, there's nothing going on the dashboard. Okay, and I got another thing about the center console. No, seriously, I've just been driving this way, and so my elbow goes there, and I, I, got, a, I got a way that I roll. Okay, and I drive better. If there's something there like a purse, An elbow, I don't mind. I can, share, I can share with Pastor Karen's elbow. But if there's a purse there or a bag or something, I, I just, I just want to chuck it in the back. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so we're driving here. I've got this word fresh in my spirit. And there's a notebook on the dash. And I turn around, I turn through a corner and, you know, lean into it a little bit, step on the gas, and the thing comes sliding across, smashes into my steering wheel and down onto the floor under the accelerator. No, that's not what happened. It just slides across like I can't stand and hits the thing and falls on the wheel. And I was like, praise God. And she looked and was like, wow, thank you. I was like, no, you're welcome. It didn't irritate me, and I was able to watch my mouth. I don't know what will happen next week, but I'm doing the best I can. I still don't want anything on the dash, but we have a tendency, we have a tendency to run our mouths at stuff, and, and you're going to be judged. Listen, stay humble. You're not perfect. Neither am I. We, have, we, we must stay Humble. We all stumble in many ways. Everyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect. You can tell a lot by someone's mouth. You can tell a lot by what comes out of, out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Oh, excuse my French. Uh, Karen knows full well. Karen is not French, right? Many people use that. I don't know why. The, did the French, were the French foul mouth? Anyway, I don't know how the French got pinned for all the cursing that goes on. You know, somebody just drops a bomb and they're like, oh, excuse my French. It's not French, Holmes. We all need to be, we need to be humble. The tongue, the tongue affects your whole life. Verse 3. We put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us. You think about that. You turn a whole animal. I don't know how big, how many pounds a horse is, but, you know, 1,200 pounds. I mean, 
And some are bigger. I guess it kind of depends. I mean, I remember riding a 17 and a half hand horse. I've ridden an 18 and 18 hand horse. That's a big animal. And the Percherons, they're, they're, they're huge, massive, massive animal that's turned by this little device that's put in their mouth. It's called a bit. He uses this picture of how our whole life is affected, verse 3, like the rudder turns a ship. I, I remember I was fishing in the Bering Sea many years ago, commercial fishing, and we went to rescue one of the, one of the vessels in the fleet. It was on a 164-foot long-lining vessel that was made in Norway. It was a trawler that got retrofitted to a long-liner, 22-foot beam. It was, uh, it was quite an experience. We went to rescue a boat uh, that was in the Bering Sea that lost its rudder. The rudder fell off in the middle of a 30-foot swell. You know what's going to happen? A lot of problems. And that's, this is a picture. These are the pictures he uses. A rudder turns a ship. Can destroy a forest fire. Forest, can destroy like a forest fire. You can gossip about somebody and literally change the way that people view them for the rest of their lives. Oh, and I, I, I don't know for certain, but I have had the experience where I suspect it's sus. That when I, somebody's warm and, and, and everything's great, you can feel that they're happy to meet you and happy to see you and they smile. You know what I mean? Like there's, 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 a, there's a, a, a love and a warmth about them. But then the next time you see them, they're not so warm. And it's more than them just not having a bad day. I've seen it with kids in the church, in the church. So you don't have a conflict or have to confront somebody, which, which we will do over and over and over again lovingly because if you don't confront problems, you're going to have Satan running your life and you'll have Satan in the church and he's not welcome here even though he comes on a regular basis to get beatings. So there has to be... Well, Jesus cast the devil out of some guy in the temple. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's, that happens. It's okay. If you have the devil, you can come to church here and we'll help you get rid of him. Amen. Come on, someone say amen. amen. Can you say a better amen? amen? Can you say amen like we can hear you in Anchorage? Ready to go. Amen. You don't have to keep the devil. I would suggest you don't stay friends with him. And so, uh, so we, in the course of correcting people, some, sometimes people get offended. And then when they get offended, they don't resolve that. And they, they, they don't forgive. They don't course correct. And they'll end up leaving. I've had people leave for, for reasons that are, I mean, absurd to, in my mind, but they just, they just get offended. A spirit of offense even happens. And there are kids that once would come and, and I mean, run, grab my leg, Pastor, I'm like, hey. And like, ah, I can take it to this. I can take it to And they run off. Then the next thing, they come and they're like, I'm like, hi. They're like, what, why do you think that is? It's because they're stupid parents. I'm going over here before Pastor Karen. It's because their parents talk stink about, about me or about one of my leaders, about somebody in the church. And what happens is now forever they have this view. I, I've seen them now. They're in high, they're high school. They're in college. They don't go to church anymore because they've been so polluted by the gossip. 
Let's have a praise break. Not feeling the love today. Amen. Praise God. You know, gossip will, gossip will destroy someone's life. I had somebody say to me years ago, well, they were, they were the recipient of correction, and they needed a lot of correction, and they had no father. And if you don't have a father, you don't know who your father is, and you've not had a, a godly example to be a, a godly father in your life, or a mother for that matter, you can come and find that here. And I am a substitute father for many, many people, and I'm happy to be that. I am. But a loving father brings correction. And if you're not correct, you're going to get corrected. Come on, God corrects me all the time. Those whom the Lord loves, he corrects. He disciplines. Right, so if you haven't been corrected, then you might be illegitimate. I would highly advise that you change that. And you get right with God and you allow him to correct you. But as a result, in correcting people, I, again, have had people get offended. And this one brother was very offended and he took out his anger that he had towards the abandonment of his father towards me. And that's okay. I wouldn't be the first, won't be the last. There's many people that'll still work things out and I'm ready, I'm willing, and I'm able. And we work it out. But in this case, it just, he, he couldn't do his part. I was doing mine, he wasn't doing his. And he spun out and, and, and just freaked out. So he would walk around the community and he would just rip us, rip me, rip the church, he'd rip us on Facebook. He'd just rip us everywhere. Rip here, rip there, rip everywhere. Rip, 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 rip. And I remember him coming and saying he got convicted and he came and he apologized. And how many of you know what I did? I forgave him. Amen. So I forgave him. I said, okay, I understand. He said, you know, I, I talked bad about you. And I, I said, I, he said, I'm sorry. I said, well, I forgive you. And, uh, you know, that, that's not good because it, 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 it hurts other people. It won't then be able to be ministered here because he says, no, I know, I'm sorry. I said, okay. Time goes on, some more correction, and he loses his mind. And again, it's just because they're wounded. People are wounded. I'm, I'm not castigating. I'm just saying this is what happens. And the reason I'm telling you is so that you don't do it. So that, so that I don't do it, so that we get trained. Well, he went down here, rip, there, rip, everywhere, rip, rip, again. And he comes and he repents. I said, now, I'm, I'm going to forgive you. Clearly, I'm going to forgive you. But here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to go find every single person that you talked bad about and correct it because you told lies, right? He said, I did. I said, okay, go talk to every single person that you talked bad about me to them and the church to them and go fix it. He said, uh, that would take a long time. I said, yeah, I know. And here's the thing. When you gossip and you use your mouth to tear people down, it's like ripping open a down pillow on the top of Pioneer Peak when there's 70 mile an hour winds. Go find all the feathers and all the people that have been polluted by your mouth. You know how long it'll take you to do that? The rest of your life and you'll never be able to find all the feathers. It's totally impossible. What are you saying? Don't talk stink about people. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. There's another word that comes to mind, but it's just a little bit too intense. Not that one. There's another lesser one. In Matthew 5, 22, Jesus said, 
But I tell you, any who's angry with his brother or sister is subject to the judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, which is a moral fool. You see, if you, if you undermine someone's character and you, you undermine them to the point where you've destroyed them, then you will actually, you, you're going to be answering to judgment and actually fire of hell, it says. That's what it says. Okay, the tongue, it can be a world of evil that affects the course of one's life. Verse 6, tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. So, are you guys all right? All right, think about your formative years. What are my formative years? When you were growing up, think about when you were growing up, what was, what was your mom and dad saying about you? So that's rhetorical meaning. You don't have to yell it out. But I'll just tell you, I've done many, many years of counseling, and I have my own stories as well. Many times, parents say things like, you're so stupid, just like your father's side of the family. Or, uh, oh yeah, oh, I, I've heard it all. And what parents don't understand is in your frustration and your anger, you know, you'll never amount to anything. You're going to be poor. We come from a people of, uh, the, all of our families poor. You're going to be poor all of your life. There are word curses that are spoken and some of you still wear them. You be very careful. I, I honestly, I think the person I think is the most careful about this most of the time is my wife. She's very careful about what comes out of her mouth. I mean, little, little phrases that might be used like, oh, I just dropped dead when I said, ah, ah, don't say that. I don't use that kind of phraseology, but do you know what I'm talking about? The words that come out of your mouth as a parent, and let me go on to say, as children and youth, they're so influenced by media and by, by, by social media and, and TV, and I've, I've shared the story about Lilo and Stitch. I love the fact that it was, took place in Hawaii because that's where we got saved. And I love the whole Polynesian culture. Just beautiful culture. But in Lilo and Stitch, there's this section where I don't know who it was, Stitch or Lilo or whatever. I don't, I don't remember. But, 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 but the, the, the daughter says to the mom, I hate you. So what ends up, what ends up happening is my beautiful daughter, who's now 23, hears this and figures she'd try it on Pastor Karen, try it on mom. I hate you. Let me tell you how many times she said that. Because we understand the power of that. You see, if you don't honor your father and mother, you will shorten your lifespan, son. If you don't honor, honor your father and mother, then you will shorten your lifespan. And so we teach our kids to honor mom and dad and to honor those in authority. And, and so, that is, listen, even if you did something that was not so smart, you still don't let your kid hate you. So yeah, there was some understanding that came to her hinder parts with a stick, yeah, in the love of God. Am I getting through? Let me say, if you're a parent, I mean, it's family night, Sunday night. If you're a parent, I, 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 my gosh, I, I, I have to repent so much as a parent. You say, well, I don't want them to repent because I don't want them to think less of me. They think less of you because you're a hypocrite. Repent. Repent. I have to, I had to repent a lot. I know, but mostly me. I don't know why that is. 
No, we had a, we had a meeting at our table. You know, the kids are grown up. They're all gathered at the table. And they're all talking about growing up and all the wounds that dad created for them. Not mom, it was me. And it went on. And, and it was done in a very healthy, uh, beautiful way where I was able to repent and say sorry and just different ways that I was. I was very intense. I know that might be hard to imagine, but I was very intense. And, and, uh, and so I caused wounding. I mean, they, listen, I was so hard on my kids. I would be different now. I'd be a little bit, I'd back off just a little bit, but, but my kids are serving God, so something went right. I said something went right. Thank the grace of God. It's the amazing grace of God. I was so hard on them, they thought, Hannah thought like if she liked a boy, she was going to hell. How many of you know, it's a good thing that your little girl might like a boy. It just needs to be expressed the right way and it needs to be done the right way. If there's, if there's not an attraction to the opposite sex, how many of you know, Houston, we have a problem. Oh, I'm going over here. However, that needs to be expressed the right way. And honestly, the way I was just so intense, I'm like, she said, dad, your eyes were like these blue lasers that would just come out and fry my soul. The tongue, power of life and death. James writes about it. And you as a parent have to teach your kids to speak right. You have to speak right. You have to speak life. And you correct them if they start talking in a way that's, they'll come home from school maybe and have a string of curses coming out of their mouth. Not even know what they're saying. You correct them. You do not let them do that. He said, well, I don't want to crush them. I don't want to crush their, their sensitive. No, you don't crush them. You do it in the right way. And if you don't know how to do that, and this is, I've said this before. It's just so irritating to me. I just can't believe it. The people that really need parental training, don't come to our parenting classes. Can somebody tell me why that is? Why is it that when, and they're like, oh, you're so lucky. Your kids are a bit, luck? First of all, luck is Chinese. We don't believe in that. We believe in the blessing. And you've got to teach your kids. You must teach them how to obey. That means instruction, correction, reproof. There's training. You need to put the, I'm preaching way better than you guys are amening. You've got to put the word of God in them. Some of you never got corrected. So you have problems with authority and you're just like a little tyrant. Oh, I can tell all the stories I can tell. Why are you, why are you saying anything? Because I don't want you to have a prison ministry. We just started one, thank God. We started the prison ministry. But you know, I don't want to have a prison ministry with my family, in my family in the prison. We made our kids eat, eat green vegetables that they hated. At least try them. I made my son eat salad because I didn't want him smoking pot. Oh, you don't get the correlation, so I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. If you constantly cater to your children, or your own flesh for that matter, then you'll cave in and give in. You must teach your kids to be disciplined with their life. And, and so Daniel said, I'm not eating salad, I hate it, I hate it. It's gonna make me sick. Or like, it's not making you sick. You're taking a shovel load of that right now and you're going to eat it. Your mother made, and listen, we didn't do special, special meals. For the love of God, mama made dinner and you eating what mama throwing on the table. 
She worked hard. Oh, you have to have hot dogs or something. Listen, if you cater to that thing, I'm telling you, I am in trouble today. You cater to that hot dog spirit. Now they don't like, they don't, she can't eat that. It's just, it just got you around your finger. Just got you all wrapped around. You can just do whatever you want. You're making a little, a little tyrant. Man, we, Jesus, call the intercessors or something. I'm trying to help you. We, we got all off on, on parenting. I'm off the notes. So there, there's Daniel. I don't know what he was, eight, seven. Ask Pastor Karen, she'll tell you exactly how my old and the months, hours and minutes of how old he was. I, don't, I lose track of that stuff. But I do remember where we were. And I do remember saying, you're gonna eat it. He's like, I don't like it, I'm gonna get sick. I said, well, you've never eaten it before, so how do you know if you're gonna get sick? I, I'm, I'm telling you, Dad. I'm like, okay, well, you're gonna do it anyway for the simple fact that I've told you to, and you're gonna obey me. Oh, and it was, it was on. Tears fill the eyes, like, you're really gonna make me eat salad. You think I'd make him cross across burning hot coals? <laughs> it's a lettuce. It's lettuce. But that's the way the kids are. It's the way the fallen human nature is. And I understand if I didn't make him eat the lettuce, he could end up smoking dope. So there he was. Like, I hate you, Dad. He didn't say that because that would have been a whole other set of circumstances. He saw with his sister, so he knew. <laughs> and that fork came up to his mouth. <laughs> he just starts throwing up. He had to get up from the table. He runs off to the bathroom, throws up his five pieces of lettuce. And we didn't make him eat, eat, eat salad again. I think it was maybe, you know, he forced himself in his mind that it was going to, but now he's a salad eater. Come on, now he loves salads. But the beauty, beautiful thing is, what are we talking about? Jesus, help me out. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. We can get back in the text. Ah! In talking about speech, you must instruct your kids and you need to be instructed some of you need to wash your mouth out with a bar of soap. My mama did that. If you curse, you just get that thing grated on your teeth. I think we should bring soap back. I don't know where they got that. It's probably Dr. Spock's book that he repented of after he... Jesus, help me. It's Satan's way. If you don't control your thinking... It's Satan's way of controlling your life. If you don't control your words, pardon me, it's Satan's way of controlling your life. You, you must speak life. Do not speak death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's like, it's like a spark that can set a whole fire of a forest. It's like a rudder that can turn a ship. It's like a bit that turns a giant animal to go where we want it to go. Your tongue, line your mouth up with God's word. Speak God's word. Don't speak anything that's not God's word. Yeah, I, I, I've been, I was thinking about this, and I'll, we'll move on to the next point. 
But I was, I was thinking about all these prophetic words I've received over the course, of, uh, the course of my life as a Christian. And I remember one specific one. If I, was to, if I was to think of a prophetic word, this is the one that comes to mind first. I had moved to the island of Maui, and I was brought to a special meeting where there was this prophetess. I have no idea who it was. My mother dragged me. I was wearing a pair of surf shorts and a T-shirt. My mother made me go to the meeting. And in the meeting, I was sitting in the back, couldn't hardly wait for it to be over, hated being in church on one hand. On the other hand, I was just tormented. You know, I, I was just so sad. I'd been through quite a bit, and it was in my 20s. And this lady picked me out, brought me up front, and she gave me Jeremiah 29, 11, which I had never heard before that, that God, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, the plans to give you a hope and a future. And he gives me this prophetic word and says, not many days from now, my power is going to come upon you and you're going to be used to touch thousands of people. I'm thinking, she's obviously lost her mind. But in my spirit, there was this boom. I went like, whoa, that, that felt good. Amen. I mean, I walked, I still remember it 30 years later. 30 years later, I still remember the power of a prophetic word spoken to me. If I wanted to, I could try to dredge up words that were spoken that hurt, but I don't do that because they're under the blood and I've forgiven and it's over and the sting is gone. I don't try to dredge stuff up. Some of you have your own dredging company. The tongue is difficult to tame, so we must have help, all right? It's difficult to tame one because we're fallen. Right in the notes, here we go. We're fallen. We're fallen human nature, so you gotta watch it. You just sometimes get frustrated or irritated and you can go off. You're fallen human nature. You gotta reckon yourself dead. We, we need the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me that the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. That's phenomenal to me. I mean, why would God give that gift? Somebody say, it's the least of the gifts. Yeah, maybe. But it's interesting, that's the first gift he gives. It's the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've spoken on it before. And if you disagree, just go look again and then listen to some of the messages that are there on YouTube. Just look up why I, why I speak in tongues. Look up tongues. Look up baptism of the Holy Spirit. Go look all of that up. Go listen to all those messages. I've preached them before and I'll preach them again. But you can go and listen to those. And it's fascinating. You know that God looked down on the Tower of Babel and confused their language. And then in the upper room, he united them by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me. We need the Holy Spirit. We need godly discipline. And I think I've pretty much rode that horse hard and put it away wet. Need godly discipline. The tongue, moving on, D. Number four, or D, the tongue reflects our inconsistent heart. Verse nine. With the tongue we praise the Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings, made in God's likeness. Oh my gosh. We need help. You know what the highest form of speech is? It's worth writing down. The highest form of speech, you know what it is? Worship is the highest form of human speech. It's worshiping God. That is the highest form of speech. All right, the ramifications of this text in our lives. Uh, you got to get rid of the excuses. What do you mean? Here's a couple of them. I just talk too much. I just, I just talk too much. And so you talk too much and then you sin with your mouth. It says in Ecclesiastes that where there are many words, sin is not absent. I remember years ago when I was courting Pastor Karen, I went to visit her at her home and she had 
at her apartment, and she had this whole word study out on the power of speech and the power of words. And I looked at all these scriptures. And that's why she is the way that she is. You will not hear this woman here saying negative stuff and demeaning herself or demeaning anybody else. You talk to her for any length of time and all you hear coming from the girl is encouragement and the word. Why is that? I'm convinced it goes all the way back to when you did that study. Some of you, so listen, the reason I was able to shut my mouth when the, when, when the notebook came across and and got all up in my space and fell to the feet of my car on the way here is because I did a study about the power of my speech. Gosh, and I thought about other things. I thought about how when I asked Minister Micah to come to the Keys this morning, and I said, you can come now. I didn't need to do that. I'm sorry. Sorry. You forgive me? You have to, you know. Okay. <laughs> I think I just think about times when I've when I've said things and I just wish I didn't. And I, I just, man, Jesus, come on. You guys are the same thing. Lift your hands and ask God to help you. Help me, God. Help me. Help me, Lord. Get rid of the excuses. You're not French either. Except Karen. Karen's French. No cursing, Karen. Amen. Get rid of your excuses. You talk too much. I've known people that can't stop talking. And, and you feel rejected because you talk so much that nobody wants to spend time with you because all you do is talk about you. Amen, Pastor Daniel. Oh, God, help. They will see you coming from afar. It's all about me. You should do things my way. That's, that's not what that song, that's... It's, it's all about him. We have really it all. When somebody talks about themselves a lot, I mean, I know, don't raise your hand. When somebody talks about themselves a lot, and that's what they talk about all the time. Every time you see them, it's called P-R-I-D-E. I can spell that word, pride. Women talk more than men. There are some men that are a little bit different, but, but mostly, <laughs> mostly women talk more than men. And uh, I, I read something recently about that. One of the reasons is that, that, it's, that it's women that teach children language. Did you know that? And, and I thank God for that. I thank God that my wife is expressive. I thank God you're expressive. Praise the Lord. But you have tw twice or three times the amount of words that, that, that a man will use, most women. Do you have to monopolize every conversation? Just think about that. Think about, and it sure is, sure is quiet in here. If you have to monopolize every conversation and then take a look, ask the Holy Spirit to show you how many times I is in your sentence. Bump your neighbor and say, he's not talking about me. Is, is he talking about you? How about this one? I just tell it like it is. Maybe you should shut your mouth. So like, so like it is, so your perspective, your view, your view is the view. Oh, okay, almighty. Are you God then? Is that, is that right? How many of you know your view is not the only view? 
and, and <laughs> I'm getting convicted here. I just speak my mind. Maybe your mind's twisted. Maybe you have a distortion in your mind. Maybe you should not speak your mind. <laughs> Who made you the judge and the executioner? I just speak my mind. You, maybe you should learn, learn to be quiet. I like to tell people things. Okay. That's a gossip. Don't ever come and gossip to me, because you come and gossip to me, I will correct you on the spot, and I will tell you to quit your Christian witchcraft. Stop it. Gossip is like witchcraft. We must work at, we must work at disciplining our tongue. And I, I found one of the ways to do that is to, is to pray in tongues a lot. And then, to, of course, to study the Word, which I just talked about. You study the Word on speech, it'll help you with your mouth. If you have a lust problem, study the word on lust. It'll help you with your lust. And if you try to get married to cure your lust problem, it doesn't work. You got an anger problem, study anger. I, I had an anger problem many, many years ago. In fact, I actually think when I was a kid, I had a demon of rage. I would black out. Like I wouldn't even, I would get so angry that I wouldn't remember what, what I would do. So I got delivered of that, and then I had a, sort of a short fuse. I had to study God's Word. Things like in the Proverbs, the man who lacks self-control is like a city without walls. And I started understanding that if I lack self-control, that somebody else is going to control me. And I started realizing, man, I, 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 can't, I can't go flying off the, off the handle. I'm, I've got to be kind and gracious and compassionate. Some of, you, some of you had an anger problem. And you know why? Usually anger's a cover for hurt. I was deeply hurt and wounded when I got the deep wounds and hurts out. It's interesting how I just didn't seem to fly off the handle. And you know, if you continue to give yourself in uncontrollable anger or lust, you will soon be demonized. You can call on the name of Jesus all you want to. You will be demonized through your behavior. Got to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Man, this is good, Lord. Ephesians 4, verse 15. Ephesians 4 is packed full of revelation. Talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and the kind of person that you're to be now. And in verse 15 of Ephesians 4, it says, Instead, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. You've got to put off falsehood, quit lying. Come on, somebody say, stop lying. Yeah, stop lying. Liars have their place in the lake of fire. If you have a child that lies habitually, teach them the scriptures. Get them a moral warehouse of what lying will do for them. And you know what will happen? They'll stop lying. You know what I mean by a moral warehouse? You know what a warehouse is, right? A warehouse is where things are stored. Put the word of God in your kids and put the word of God in your own life so much so that you begin to think it. It changes you. It's able to divide between joint and marrow, soul and spirit, 
When the word of God gets in there and you realize that, oh, I'm not supposed to lie because my mom doesn't want me to. Well, I hope your mom doesn't want you to. But the truth is, there's a much higher court than the court of your mom or your dad or your home. It's called the court of heaven. God doesn't want you to lie. And if you don't, if you don't teach your kids a moral warehouse, then when they leave and you're no longer there, they will explode somewhere because they'll labor to do all the stuff they always wanted to do. And, and you're not there. no. You teach your kids to do the right thing. The right thing is based on the word of God. And when they learn the word, that when they're off to college and they're off to school and they're there and they're, they're in their lives and the word of God will be a moral warehouse. And they'll do the right thing based on the word because it's God's word. And for those of you that are not trained that way, you can train yourself. I was not trained that way. I've been retrained. I asked the Lord, oh, father, father me. He said, deal. I'm like, ah, been going to the woodshed ever since. And I thank God for good training. I thank God. And, I, and I've subject, subjected myself to my wife. Amen. She corrects me. That's not very nice. You need to change your attitude. I'm like, ah, oh, snap. The Lord corrects me. The Holy Spirit corrects me. In the word of God, I'm so convicted reading this. Jesus, help me. Help my mouth. Help me. Help me control my tongue. Oh, God. Go, you, listen. Quit looking at me with that tone of voice and go ahead and ask God to help you. Come on, ask God to help you right now. Help us. We better have some keys or something. I don't know. We need some help. Thank you so much, my gracious brother. If you're ready to come now, that'd be fine. Put off, put off falsehood and speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. It's not just speaking the truth. It's speaking the truth in love. You can speak the truth and it still be sin. It has to be love. Oh, that's much better. Oh, Jesus. Number two, right from Ephesians 29. Don't let, do not let. That's what it says. Do not let. For we have, that's not a typo. They asked me, Pastor, I think you made a mistake on this one, which is common. I make mistakes, especially with regards to spelling, punctuation, thank God. Somebody said, well, really? Yes, that's why I hire secretaries. So, <laughs> one of the reasons. And it's just not my gift. So they said, you made a mistake, don't let. I said, no, it's not a mistake. So well, that doesn't sound like good English. But it comes from here. Look at verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs and it may benefit those who listen. Do you see something here? Don't let. Don't let. It, it's an indication that you have a choice. Nobody's making you say the stuff you're saying. You have a choice. That's why it says, don't let, for we have a choice. Don't let things come out of your mouth that shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. You have a, Come on, somebody say, I have a choice. Verse 30, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's not an it. He's not a dove. He's a person. Want more on that? YouTube. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. There's a whole message on grieving the Holy Spirit. I don't want to ever do that. Lord, help me to never grieve you. You grieve him, it's like being punched in the gut or something. It's just, just feel like, uh, like, oh, sorrow. 
Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So, so in other words, when you're saying something and all of a sudden you feel a turn in you, stop. Stop and correct your speech. Stop it. Get rid of stuff. What do you mean get rid of stuff? Verse 31, Ephesians 4, 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Here's the thing. If you don't get rid of bitterness and you don't get rid of rage and you don't get rid of, uh, of anger, you don't get rid of those things, brawling, slander, every form of malice, if you don't get it out of your life, it's gonna come out of your mouth. Let me go over here. If you're bitter, it's gonna come out of your mouth. If you're angry, it's gonna come out of your mouth. If you have malice and unforgiveness, it's gonna come out of your mouth. So what do you do? Get rid of it. How? Forgive. Forgive. Forgive the one that hurts you. Forgive the one that disdainfully used you. Forgive people. Forgiveness is key. We need God's forgiveness. It's available for us when we repent and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I did that, and then I was still not quite right, and I started realizing, man, I've got some other people I need to forgive, and I started working down the line, and then I got to the, I got to the big one. You see, which one was that? It was me. I hated myself with the deepest, most profound hatred. Why? Because I did things that hurt people that were the closest to me and I destroyed lives. I'm talking about before I was born again. So when I received Christ, I knew I needed forgiveness and I could forgive everybody. But for me, I'm like, oh no. Maybe it'd be better if, I, if you just killed me or something, Lord, because no. And the Lord spoke to me through a series of messages and I had a time with God where he showed me that my unforgiveness towards myself was pride. And he said something along these lines. And if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me say it. If you feel unworthy and you can't forgive yourself, here's what you're actually saying. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, so son, then hanging on the cross, which I did for you, is not enough for you then. You want me to come and do it again? Or you, you need, you're asking for something more, really? So the crucifixion of God's only son is not enough to forgive you? Well, that's, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Because that's ultimate pride. You're saying, oh, you need something else. You need something else in the blood. You need something else in the crucifixion and resurrection to forgive yourself. No, you have a higher standard than God has, right? I broke. I said, no, no. I'm just so sorry. He said, I understand. That's why I sent my son to die for you. Now let it go. And I began to let it go. And I got freed. I got healed. I got delivered. And I began to realize who I am in Christ. And when you know who you are in Christ, you'll never fall for the lie again. The Lord spoke to me and said, who I am and who you are in me changes everything, son. I forgive you. Now let it go. Let it go. Quit holding on to the bitterness and the anger you have toward yourself because of your foolishness. It was the enemy driving you and your fallen human nature. Let it go. I paid the price. And so I let it go and it was like chains came off. I found myself, woo, oh, oh God, thank you. And I, I, I've just been free ever since. I'm, I, I don't... I, 
you talk to my wife. I mean, even at the table when the kids were just lambasting me. Oh, dad, your blue laser's out of your eyes. Oh, oh, you were so intense. I sat there and Hacho, yeah, of course I took it. You know why? He took it. I could take it because Jesus took it. And I realized, well, well, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. And, and I, I cried. I mean, I felt sorrow, but it doesn't, listen, no, some of you just want people to just feel the abuse. You want them to suffer for what they did. No, Jesus suffered. So even though my kids corrected me and they were right, I would do it differently now that I'm 56 or whatever old I am. How old am I? I would do it differently. I've learned more. I've learned. I've got greater maturity now. But I didn't go under sliding under some table and then beat myself up over the next four days that I had blue lasers out of my eyes and I was too intense and I scared my kids. I repented. Was forgiven instantaneously. Some of it I had no idea. I knew it was bad when Pastor Karen's like, the kids are graciously, lovingly sharing. And she reaches her hand across you. She says, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. And we prayed, and I prayed that they would forgive me. I asked them to forgive me, and I prayed for them to heal, and I asked God to heal me. And, and great, we got up from the table. I listened. I thought about it a little bit, and I thought, no, why was I like that? And I asked God to show me some things, and he did. And, and guess what? The next day was a great day. I had a great sleep that night. Woohoo! Some of you will just, you're just angry. And, you, and, and because you're angry and you're filled with bitterness and because you're filled with malice, you've got it coming out of your mouth and you're angry at everybody. You need to be healed. <laughs> Let me say that sweeter. You need to forgive. You need to be forgiven. You need to be healed. One of the reasons you, you are angry all the time is because you are angry. I was just recently ministering to a family, not a part of this church, but a part of the those that I ministered to in another place. And the children were, were very angry. Now, if you had been through what these kids had been through, you'd be very angry also. That's got to be healed. You've got to get rid of your anger. You've got to stop. Some of you just, if you had the chance, you would just, so angry at my dad. I used to have dreams about just hitting him. Don't look at me like that. Some of you have dreams that are far worse than just hitting. If you don't get rid of anger and you allow it to, it will turn into a spirit of murder. Lord, if they just yeah, it's a fallen human nature, and you got to be hundred percent responsible for whatever percentage you, hundred percent responsible for your fifty percent, sir, ma'am. You got to take that thing, and you got to come to the Lord, and you got to get healed. Otherwise, you're going to continue to spew out of your pie hole stuff that will take you straight to hell. You got to stop. You got to, you got to stop. Stop it. Wake up. Snap out of it. kind of intense message. Mm, yes. Oh, yeah. Lord, you washed me. Lord, you cleansed me. Lord, you healed me. You took out the pain. You took out the pain. 
I love my father. I'm not angry at my dad anymore. And you know what? My dad couldn't give me what he didn't have. I can say before God to my children and before him and to you that I did the level best I could as a father and I'm still fathering. Shortcomings, yes. Repented of them. Asking God to... Some of you are so controlling over your kids. Let me just talk to the Christian who's so controlling. Some of, some, of you, some of you need to add some controls. Others of you are so overbearing that if your kid began to be attractor, listen, the teenagers, there's attraction, there's hormones. Who do you think? Do you think that's from the devil? Listen, attraction's a good thing. I wouldn't be married if we, we didn't. You were attracted to me. You thought I was fine. You still think I'm fine. <laughs> Man, I think you're fine also, and I always have. That's, that's a gift. Can you imagine if you didn't have that? Attraction's a gift. It's a gift. It just has to be, it has to be led. It has to be discipled. It has to be controlled. If, if, you're, if you're 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, oh, you can be attracted, but don't you give into that. And it's, I'm just going to tell you what my belief system is. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in dating. I mean, at that, at that age, if you're not ready to get married, I don't believe in dating. Why? Because uh, um, I have, is, is hundreds an exaggeration? Pastor, said, Pastor Karen says a lot. I'm going to say hundreds. Many, many, many examples of how two kids ruined their life because the parents didn't teach them how to control their passions. So yes, attraction's fine. Giving into it, not fine. No. Expressing words at 14 and 15 to say, I love you. I love you, you're always fine. You're so amazing. Ah, oh, I just, oh, I just, oh. You know, I'm gonna marry you. You're 14 years old. You, you can't even drive, can you? Okay, your brain's not connected yet. No, no, really. Biologically, your brain is not connected. It's still growing. Very gracious, Pastor Karen. Like, oh no, they're mine. I want. And then what you do is you send these cords. Here, Pastor Karen, come stand here. So you begin to say, oh, I love you. And it sends this. <laughs> okay, pretend you're 13. If you speak words of affirmation outside of the covenant forever, but you're saying forever comments, does that make sense? Ooh, baby, ooh, baby, you're so fine. One day I'm gonna make you mine, ooh, baby. You begin to speak words. There'll never be anybody else. You're the one I always wanted. I dreamed about you last night. I shouldn't tell you what I dreamed. <laughs> what you're doing is you're, you're wrapping these cords, and then she would say the same thing. Go ahead, say something. You're amazing. You're so handsome. I love you. You're mine. Amen. Come here. <laughs> but we're married. It's dangerous. Outside of marriage. You know, in courting, you can begin to move in that. You can, that and when you're courting, you know that you're going to get married. 
you know, prior to engage, those things can be expressed, I think. But before that, what you're doing is you're... Excuse me, Daniel, would you like to preach? Uh, you, you want to share anything? No? Was that you? What was that? I thought you wanted to throw down some insight. So, when those words are expressed before marriage and before the time, what it does is it builds a soul tie to that other person. I don't, you know what, I, I think the Holy Spirit's after something because I'm way, way off script, except it does have to do with words. And then what happens after is if, when that happens prior, when that happens prior to forever till death do us part, so I can say that to you all day and I do. But before that, what happens is there's this tie. It's called a soul tie. It's what some call a soul tie. It, it brings these bonds that should only be in marriage, but you're not married. And then what ends up happening, oh, and thank you, Pastor Karen. If I go on to talk about the act, I mean, we have kids here, so I'm gonna shoot high, all right? Everybody say, help pastor shoot high. All right, when, when the deed is done, outside of forever, outside of the marriage covenant, and that happens, then what ends up happening is actually, in actual fact, it's the one sin that takes place inside your spirit. All other sins are outside, but when, it, when that takes place, are you all tracking with me? I'm hopefully missing everybody else that should not be tracking. How are we doing, pastor, children's pastor person? Okay, all right, good. So when that happens, there is literally a one flesh that takes place between two people that are not to be that, that are that are not married. And then when that break happens, it literally she gets a piece of you or he gets a piece of you, and they literally take that from you. Did you know that in, uh, in uh, psychology today and psychologists they talk about people who have multiple personality disorders? You know what they found? They found that they've been with a lot of people. You know why? There's a lot of people in there. In other words, that's why they have a lot of pulsive personalities. There's a lot of people in there. They've noticed that promiscuity is linked to people who have personality disorders, multiple personalities. Very common to see that connection. I've also found, man, we are all over it tonight. Words matter. <laughs> uh, are you getting anything? Me too. Awesome. Um, I was going to say something. Soul ties. Uh, words matter. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. I've also, we've also found that people, when, when they cross over that line and they do, they do that particular sin, that particular one, but it also happened, it doesn't have to be that way. It can be, it can be literally just through words and they, and they weren't, do you follow me? They weren't together like that. That there can be an arrest, what happens is the person is arrested, him, her, boys, girls, get arrested at that emotional state. When their innocence is lost, please hear me. When their innocence is lost, whether it be through words or deed, they can be arrested in that emotional state that they're in. What do you know? 
I've been doing what I'm doing for a long time. And I've read lots of books and I got delivered and I got healed. Listen, and my kids have a different testimony than I have. Thank God. And they never will have my testimony. And I thank God for my testimony. It's a powerful weapon. I've seen the, the, I've seen the upper, upper and the lower, lower and the middle and everything in between. And I've got set free from demons. I've been, I was delivered. I used to hear voices. I used to see things left and right all the time. I'd be pressed down on my bed. I'd be choked out. I had fear all the time. Constant violence in my mind all the time. I thought that was normal till I realized, till I got born again, till I got saved and I got healed and I got delivered and I got the malice out by the grace of God. I got, I got the bitterness out and I forgave myself and I forgave others. And what happened is I got cleansed from the former things now used for noble purposes. That's who I am. I've been cleansed by the blood. I've been redeemed. Somebody said, you have to get so excited. Oh, if you knew where God brought me from, you would make no, you would understand why I dance. Why I run. I've been loosed. I've been free. I was bound and I've been delivered. And I have come to bring to you tonight. I've come all the way from Wasilla to tell you, you can be set free from words spoken over you. You can be delivered from the words that have been spoken to you. I love when the clock says negative 30. That means I went over by 30 minutes. Yes! <laughs> Lift your hands to heaven. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.